to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, while you are turning there, um, after the service, whenever you leave, um, we've got a very uh, unique Father's Day uh, gift for you this year. And uh, this is the first time that we've ever been able to do something like this. It's not from uh, the church, Brother Patterson, or myself. It's actually from Brother Paul Miller. And um, several months before he passed away, I tried to remember and couldn't remember when it was. Um, But if you know anything about Brother Paul, you know that he loved pocket knives. And um, he gave me a box of uh, pocket knives, variety. Uh, In fact, I think there are 51 of them, uh, which may be a little short. Um, so if Brother Paul ever gave you a pocket knife, um, maybe you can pull that one out and dust it off and shine it up if we run out. Uh, but when you leave here this morning, uh, that is going to be from Brother Paul Miller. And um, I know it's an emotional day for Sister Regina, and um, but we're thankful for Paul's testimony and uh, witness and uh, even toward the end uh, Justin spent a fair amount of time uh, with him uh, John Paul and Justin and uh, I'm thankful uh, for that so when you leave here today uh, we will uh, give pass that on to you we'd like to start in verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Bible says there, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates And I want to preach to you on uh, this thought here this morning about hear the voice. Hear the voice. Let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts here this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for your presence again. And I ask you, Lord, today on this Father's Day, That, Lord, that you would stimulate every one of our hearts and our minds, God, especially, Lord, those of us that are fathers. That, Lord, that you would somehow impact us, Lord, remind us, reiterate, Lord, our responsibility, Lord, to our children. And I ask you, Lord, today, God, that you would raise up, Lord, strong, godly spiritual men in this hour 
Lord, if ever there was a need for there to be men of God, it's now. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch us, God, with that priority, Lord, of doing your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. And um, don't look at your watch or look back at the clock. Um, just trust me, I will not be done at 12. Um, but it will not be uh, too much beyond that. Hear the voice. In 1980, uh, James Dobson put it this way. He said, the Western world stands at a great crossroads in history, and it's my opinion that our very survival as a people will depend upon the presence or absence of masculine leadership in millions of homes. I believe that with everything within me that husbands and fathers hold the keys to the preservation of the family. Those words were said 42 years ago, and I would just say that from personal observation, you probably have made the same observation that our times have not gotten better, but things have actually gotten worse. Here are some current statistics for the United States. 2022 expected divorce rate is at least 44.2%. However, I would say that it is and divorce is in decline. Although some of that factor, the reason it is in decline is because couples are now cohabiting instead of getting married. 2022 average marriages last 8.2 years, and in 2019 is whenever the trend began uh, to decline for the divorce rate. This year, the average rate for the first divorce is 30 years old, but 2022 also says that strong religious beliefs and affiliation with a local church generally means that there's a 14 percent less chance that you would have for divorce. So that means that the divorce rate drops down into the 30 percent range, upper 20, 30 percent range for those that are in the church. In 2022, cohabitation prior to marriage increases the divorce rate as much as 40 percent. And so whenever you add that 40 percent to 40 point or 44%, then that means that 80% of marriages that start out uh, with people moving in together, uh, that it's even a greater likelihood that that marriage will fail. And yet we face the challenge of absent fathers in the homes as one of the major contributors that we face these days because uh, of fathers not only being physically absent in their homes, but emotionally absent, and then certainly if they're physically and emotionally absent, then they're going to be spiritually absent as well. An estimated 24.7 million children live absent 
of their biological father. Of students in grades 1 through 12, 39%, 17.7 million live in homes that are absent of their biological fathers. According to 72.2% of the U.S. population, fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem that we have in America. And when you look at some of those statistics, and I got those statistics from a website called fathering.com, when you look at the fallout of what takes place when a father is not there, here's what takes place. Poverty, 44% of fatherless families are more prone to grow up in poverty. Four times more likely to be stuck in that trap for the rest of their lives and 90% of homeless children and runaway children grew up in homes that were strapped by an absent father. Substance abuse looks like this. Ten times they're more likely to abuse chemical substances and 71% of teenage substance abusers came from a fatherless home. When you start looking at the physical and emotional health of a home that does not have a father, it is even worse when you look at some of the emotional problems that children demonstrate from that crime. 70% of adolescents in juvenile correction facilities are fatherless. 60% of rapists were raised in a fatherless home, 11 times more likely to exhibit violent behavior and 20, 20 times more likely to end up incarcerated if the father is absent in that home. Sexual activity in teen pregnancy, nine times more likely a child is potentially to be raped or sexually abused in a fatherless home. And 70% of teen pregnancies are related to homes that are absent of a father. Those are some pretty grim statistics. And whenever you look at the importance of a church, I would just have to tell you here today that having a living, vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, just those statistics that I have mentioned to you here this morning, our church over the years has been very much shielded from some of those things, and I'm very thankful for that. And yet it, it just even makes me realize even more uh, how important it is for us who are fathers, to be even more given to the task at hand. And so I ask you fathers here today, what are you going to do to keep your children off of that casualty list? Notice I didn't ask you what your wife was going to do or what your church was going to do or what your pastor was going to do, but what are you as a father going to do to somehow save and keep your marriage, your children, and your family off of that list. And those statistics that sometimes that, that we hear often on Father's Day, they can be very sobering and even depressing. And one of the biggest lies that the devil tries to force 
on, on us men is that he wants us to keep us in an adolescent state for the rest of our lives. He never wants us to spiritually mature or emotionally mature and it would have been better if you would have stepped up last week, last year, or what is your family going to look like in five years, in ten years, or twenty or thirty if we even have that much time left. If your kids had to fill out this survey, what would be their answer? Do they regularly hear you say that you love them? Do they hear you say that you're proud of them or that they are doing a great job? And uh, Nate is over in Geneva. Uh, he'll be back here shortly. He would, uh, I'm certainly giving me a little bit of static about this next question, but it's this, can they say you played athletic games with them? And, uh, and I did play some in the backyard, but Justin and Nathan can... Uh, they'll tell you the same tired old excuse that I gave to them. However, um, don't forget Justin and Nate, we literally rode hundreds of miles on bicycles out South Park, National Road, West Cook, all around there. So I, I made up for it while we were riding bicycles. Uh, can your children say that they get hugs from you? And you're going to say, I'm biased with this next question, but maybe I am, maybe not so, maybe I'm not. Can your children say that you read books to them? And why, why is it that I am such a uh, matter speak about that is because it's not like, it, like watching some mindless television show. Because when you're reading to your children, there's an interaction that's going on back and forth between you and those child children. But here's the bigger question. Can they say that you regularly attended church with them? Fathers, do your children know what it's like to hear your voice in prayer and your voice in worship? Do they know what it's like to see you worship God and you read your Bible. The enemy that we are battling here today, he's not a fool. He's very savvy. And he's very subtle about the way that he goes about trying to monopolize your time and trying to monopolize your thoughts and your activities. He's patient. He's sinister. He's deadly. And he's watching our families with everything inside of him because he wants to tear our families apart. If he can neutralize a father, then he destroys that family. And generally when an enemy wants to destroy a family, he goes after that father first. And if that man is passive and, and that man is indifferent and apathetic toward the things of God, then the enemy rarely attacks that family uh, because he has no need to worry or no need to fear because that family is directionless and has no spiritual leadership. And I would say that spiritual leadership is more than you just coming to church. Spiritual leadership is an active involvement with God that we have as fathers. 
Error increases with distance. What, what does that mean? That means that if a father is distant from his family, then the greater the likelihood that there will be an error that will take place. But whenever Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he, he originally called Israel out as a people. He said, I want you to leave Egypt. And Egypt is a type of the world. And he was calling them out of that. And he said, I, I want you to know this. There are, are some things that, that you've got to get worked into your mind and into your spirit. He, he didn't just call Israel to be uh, what we might call a bucket for blessings. That's not what uh, he was calling Israel out of, out of the world or out of Egypt to be. He, uh, he did bless them, but there was more to it than that. There was a part where that, that he said, I've got a purpose for your life and, and uh, I want you and your families to be a channel so that when those blessings come to you that they can be channeled and that they can flow through you. So how... Uh, was that supposed to take place? Well, there was some theology that was involved with that, and, and we read it there in verse 4, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That was the standard basic message of the heart of God, that there is only one God, and there's got to be something intentional in your heart about the way that, that you serve that that one God that was passed on to their families. And, and Moses, as he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, began to realize and note that there's got to be some things that we do to get this message inside of your heart. So how was that supposed to take place? Well, look there at your Bible at verse 5. The Bible says Moses' words, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That was the human response to a God that at that moment they could not see. Now they had already seen the overflow of, of how that God worked and had gotten them out of Egypt there, but, but it was passed on that, that the human response was that you've got to love the Lord with everything inside of you. There can't be any wavering. There can't uh, be any uh, vacillation. There can't be any part where that you get off of track in your devotion and your desire for the Lord. Now, I realize that there are seasons of life uh, that we all walk through and there are times where that we may feel like that our relationship with God may not be what it was 5, 10, 20 years ago. But instead of looking at the season, look at the direction of your life and look at, at where you are now versus where you were 10 years ago. And yet that response woven into every being. Look at verse 6 there. It says, and, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. 
Now, now the words that he was talking about ultimately would be the book of the law. That's the first five books in your Bible there in the Old Testament. But, but we have so much more in our day. We've got a 66-book river that we can plug into. And, and here's what God was saying. He's saying, I've got to, I want to get my word into your heart and into your spirit. I, I just want it, and I've been, I've been harping this. And I know that's a bad word. People don't, I, I wish you'd quit harping or ranting or whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to keep it in front of you, and that's this. If you're prayerless, you are being prayerless is like being breathless. But I'm going to add this on to you as well, that whenever you neglect the Word of God on a regular systematic time, that creates liabilities in our lives. Moses was telling them, he was saying, you've got to understand that you've got to get these words in your heart. And so the key to passing on that message to them was to make their personal commitment to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength, their being, and then to get the word of God there into their life. And, and then Moses comes along and he, he says, I want you to know this, there, there's got to be some communication that goes on. Look there in verse 7, the Bible says there, and thou shalt teach them diligently in unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest up by the way or walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. That's God's plan for passing on things into our children. And so I ask you the question here this morning, what are the conversations and what are the voices that dominate your home? Who, who, who are the voices there? Are, there, are, are, are those voices that dominate your home, are they Christian voices? Are they Christian? Is it Christian music? Is it even the word of the Lord? Is it, are there voices that are uniquely, what we would say, Christian, apostolic, whatever you want to call it? Are those the voices that are permeating your home? Or are our voices in our home? Are they the voices of entertainment, the voices of sports casters, the voices of politicians, the voices of talking heads? Or is that, are, are those the voices that our children hear more than they hear the voice or the word of God. Truth is, is passed on in a father's speech and godly words were flowing out of their mouths. I'm just going to tell you this. I have never heard my dad or Brother Patterson, my father-in-law, I have never heard any word of profanity come out of either one of their mouths. I have never, and I'll be 56 here in just a few weeks, few months, I have never heard my dad or Brother Patterson use a word of profanity. Let that sink in for a little bit and let you think about that. And uh, we, we live in a day that people start talking about, well, you say stuff like that, you're getting legalistic. No, I'm not getting legalistic, I'm getting biblical. 
because Ephesians tells us that we should not allow any corrupt communication to proceed out of our mouths. And, and, and so a father's speech, the Lord had it intended that he wanted those words to be constantly speaking about the things of God. But he didn't finish it that. In verse 8, here's what he says. He says, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between their eyes. Even whenever there was silence, there was to be a visible commitment to the law of God that those children recognized that they could see the words of God that was there. It's important that we carry on those same patterns. Verse 9, thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. That's probably more of a, a mother or a wife or a female's touch to the house, but the pictures in your home, what, what are they dominated by? Are scriptural sayings and various other things. Those are good things for us to have in our homes. Because if the children were to see God's word throughout the house, even in their parents' absence, they, would, they could say and they could look at it and they could say, here is what my parents stand for. Over the years, I have, have rarely used uh, videos with my preaching. In fact, I can only think of, of two other.